0: Hey Kyle, Dax Nolenberger out here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh working for the Browns. Quick story. One of my first memories of football was when I rolled over to your house and tried on your Pop
1: Warner helmet and thought, this thing is so painful on my forehead, there's no way I could play this game, and here I am trying to make it a career. Anyways, uh really enjoy listening to your podcast while I'm at work. Keep up the good fight. Uh, The way you think about environment is a bit taboo around here, so uh, keep spreading the word. Really enjoy it. See you.
0: Dax Nolenberger, what is up, dude? I have not seen or talked to you in years. I'm happy to hear you're doing well, and uh, I didn't know you listened to the show. So welcome, and thanks for sending that in. Uh, if anyone wants to send these little voice memos to me, you can do it on your phone. Uh, click the voice memos app and send me 30 seconds of audio. Would love to know how you're doing and where you are. I am coming to you from a garage in Los Angeles where I have been for the last couple weeks um, producing the Motherfucker Awards, which I have talked about ad nauseum. Uh, But for those of you who don't know, it's an awards show where we celebrate the companies that have done the most to fuck Mother Earth. And we get a bunch of uh, comedians to go up and give acceptance speeches on their behalf. So the last two weeks of my life have been meeting with these comedians, um, producing the show, getting everyone ready, set, go for the big night on December 4th. I've uh, been working with Chris Ryan, who co-created the show with me. Um, it's been fun. I feel like I'm becoming a better writer and producer. Uh, I guess that's what I'm doing right now. People are like, what do you do? What's your role? Eh, I don't know. But my days are full. <laughs> I'm happy that the waves have sucked the last couple weeks, because I haven't been missing that. Um but i'm i'm good digging it um been meditating a lot i actually uh just signed up for sam harris's uh waking up app it's a good meditation app i'm uh a few weeks in and feel like it's one of the few uh (laughs) few grounding aspects in my life right now but uh it's coming together i'm excited hope to see you all there um and that's it. You can still get tickets uh, at themotherfuckerawards.com. This episode is with Corey Jones. Uh, Corey Jones is a really remarkable human. Uh, I met him... A few years ago, I was making a short film on the California Coastal Commission hearing um, where they agreed to fire Dr. Charles Lester, who was um, on the board, and there was some development moves moving through that were uh, going to make it much easier for uh, companies and to build on the beaches. Um, anyway, I was interviewing people, and I just stopped this kid randomly i was like hey uh do you can i interview you for this film he's like sure no worries my name is cory jones i'm like i asked him a question and he answered it so thoroughly and eloquently um that i was kind of blown away like there's people who who answer questions well and then there's people who are natural born speakers and we talk about it a little in this podcast um just commu- not speak just communicators like he's a he's a legit dude he uh he's a pro skater i don't know if he would consider it. he's cory jones you're a pro skater i don't know what uh sponsors you have right now but i've just posted a photo on my instagram of him skating you can see how good he is um and he is very involved with uh plastic Uh, pollution issues in san luis obispo he's kind of headed up uh this organization he talks about it a bit more um to take this issue on and uh he's a cool dude Uh, his organization is called one with nature so you can check them out uh and with that i hope that you enjoy this conversation with Corey jones
1: so far from an expert. I don't even know how to go about proper fasting or anything like that, but just hearing other doctors and people that seem to be living very healthy lives, them talk about it. It's, it's one of those things where I'm at that stage where I'm down to kind of experiment a little bit.
0: It's fun to experiment. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. exactly. So
0: there's, I'm, there's a, a study that um, showed that fasting was one of the only forms of dieting across all animals that increased longevity.
1: Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And when I heard the, just that common standpoint of we live in that paradigm now of eat three meals a day or something of that nature, and then you actually think back on our evolutionary processes and understand that f- for the most part, we probably were only eating once a day and outside of that or even ex- beyond that. So thinking that really we're built to endure. And I mean, I grew up just, you know, a little, kind of a chubby kid to an extent. <laughs> yeah. So I had that fat heart of just, oh, I like to eat. But the second you actually play around and realize that, You suppress a little bit of hunger, it fades pretty quick, and you can go throughout your day, exercise, do a variety of things. But, I mean, like I said, this is a very new thing. I'm just playing around with a little bit. I don't even know the proper way to go about it, but it's something that I'm happy to kind of play with. You know, 26 or 25, about to be 26, and it's like... All right, I'm going to just play around with a few things.
0: Yeah, I uh, apparently it's, it's the 16 hour fast is is great. So it's what I do is I have an early dinner and a late breakfast, um, and my whole life, same thing, dude. I was like panda puffs and French toast, and the breakfast is the most important meal of the day. That's what everyone always told me, but I always felt lethargic. I always had a really hard time. Uh, paying attention in school, sitting down and absorbing information. And ever since I shifted this, I'll wake up in the morning. And if I don't eat for those first few hours, uh, I f- I'm clear, sharper, and then um, it feels good to go into that first meal a little hungry.
1: Yeah. I mean, I should probably go about it like that, where I hit it two meals a day. Uh, what I've done more recently is say, pretty much from like 5 p.m. to 9 o'clock is my little eating window. Uh, that's probably better for you. And then I just go at it like that. Uh, it's it's interesting because, yeah, you suppress a little bit of hunger, but it fades quickly. And then I found that I'm able to do things throughout the day and being surprised while I'm actually like exercising and doing things I and mean being like, oh, I'm functioning pretty well. Yep. So I'm going to play with it a little bit longer and see what the actual outcome is. But, I mean, I'm pretty beat up. And it's just one of those things where I want to figure out how can I continue to feel well into old age, ranging from stretching, trigger point therapy, diet. I have no idea what the answer for me is yet. I'm just starting to get curious about this stuff. So, so far from an expert and I have no idea what even works and not really in a position to make any suggestions. But. It's, yeah, it's, it's good stuff,
0: in. though. It's good stuff. I mean, thats I, I'm no expert on health either, but uh, I listen to a lot of smart people, and they say that fasting's the shit. Um, Wim Hof only eats one meal a day.
1: Yeah. You know who I, that is? Uh, yeah. And I've, I, it's funny, because I actually want to start delving into his world a little bit more and learning about some of these breathing techniques and things like that, but when I was doing those ultras and really kind of beating down my body in a short time frame, I was told not really to ice much because inflammation is technically good in the sense that if your body's beat down and you're having inflammation, it's sending signals to your brain to generate healing. But man, an ice bath after a long run or at any time you're actually beat down makes you feel so nice.
0: Right. Well, I've heard that uh, around icing, one thing that's important is to not ice for too long mm-hmm. because then your body has the, the inflammation response to it. So if you're going to ice, only do it for a short amount of time. That's and cool. I think that that ice baths are a little bit different, too, because, again, it's so quick and it just jolts your system. But um, so when did you do your last ultra?
1: Uh, the last one I did was just a 50 K, but I did that in April and it was kind of funny the way it went down because I had ran a 50 mile one prior to that last September, but the 50 K I was just going into a local running shop to buy some socks. Cause the socks are just really nice and mine were hammered. And I saw a lady that recognized this from the 50 mile, uh, run that my friend Ryan and I had done. And she asked if I was doing the tar Springs event, I'm actually wearing that shirt right now. And it's funny because I said tar Springs and recognized that it was my friend's ranch, who I'd been running with, like, just a little bit, nothing super serious. We're Where's not, Star, like, Spring. it's Star Springs? Uh, Wasna Valley. Okay. It's just a little valley kind of east of Royal Grande. Really beautiful, not really known at all, but he has a few thousand acres out there. His family does, and I was running with him a considerable amount, and then I followed up with him, like, dude, you have an ultra going on in your ranch, and you didn't tell us about it? Like, how's that a thing? And he's like, yeah, I think my cousin's organizing. I don't really know what's going on, so... Uh, I asked him if we could do it for free. That just wasn't a thing. So what ended up actually going down was I put it on him cause he'd never run further than I think like 15 miles or something like that. And I was like, let's do it. It was only a month out. And, uh, we just did it the following week. So it was just him and I, and then one other guy that works at like the gym I go to, that's this older dude. That's always like putting out motivational content, uh, on his Instagram and stuff like that. And I put it on him. I'm like, you always talk about wanting to get outside of your comfort zone. <laughs> and he was he was an old, like, football player at Oregon and things like that. And he was always talking about how he wanted to go into the military and maybe do, like, Navy SEAL stuff. And um, so I just put it on him because he had just heard that David Goggins podcast. Yep. You know, the, the Joe Rogan one where he's just like, fucking take souls, that guy. And uh, when I put it on him, he just recognized that he couldn't not answer that call. So we all really only trained for about a month, nothing too serious. And then... Uh, my friend's cousin remembered the course for us, led us through the first half, because it was just two large laps through the back end of their ranch, and yeah, we just knocked it out. So that was the last one we did, and it, it's kind of interesting, because we ran the first half pretty much together, and then the second we just kind of broke off and did our own thing, and I did not want to do the second half of it, and part of my mind was really lame, in the sense that I'm like, oh, I'd already done a 50 mile, it's just a 50K, I thought I was gonna skate the US Open too that was something that actually materialized for me and that was only like three months out and it's like do I really want a chance hurting my knees and my legs when it's like skateboarding is definitely my priority in regards to my like natural love and passion my whole life I've been granted this opportunity and I'm not really trying to prove anything I've done something that's beyond this and I am not well trained for this but at the same time I put it on them and if I bailed you know what I mean? That's just not. Well, that's
0: the great thing about competition, man. <laughs> I mean, you get you get some buddies, uh, and then you like, start sending some little body shot text messages. Like, yeah, you're looking a little flabby, Corey Jones. You're not going to make it happen. You're like, motherfucker,
1: I'm going to yeah. do this. You got to get out there. So, I mean, yeah, it ended up, we all got it done. It was pretty, I was stoked for my friends. It was definitely a rough day, but. Yeah, we got it done. Yeah, it's pretty hyped on it.
0: What uh, and and what kind of training did you do to or nothing? <laughs> You're uh. at
1: what kind of change you do? I mean, a little bit of running, but it's kind of funny because that one, I just was like, all right, well, I've done 50 miles, so I can do 32. Sure. You know what I mean? It was like, all right, I'll I will figure out a way to get this done. But the 50 mile one, I signed up for because I had just dislocated my shoulder, and then. I ran into my friend that passed away. We talked about this on the initial podcast. So we yep. didn't. I, talked to, I ran into my friend's sister on a beach. We were the only two randomly. struck up a conversation with her. I hadn't seen her in a long time. Asked her if her dad had tried to do it the year prior and said that he hurt his back a few days before and couldn't do it, but he was intending to do it again. And I just kind of naturally felt like, well, I can't really skate. I can't surf. I can't do anything at the moment. I ran one marathon, even though it didn't go so well. Why not? Sure. Right? Especially because I've had been listening to content through podcasts and just YouTube and things like that. They're always talking about just expanding your comfort zone and you hear people like David Goggins and things like that talk and you're like, Middle M- 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 try.
0: Yeah, and why not, man? Life's short. Why not push yourself to see how far you can go? My whole life I've always been into fun sports like surfing, skating. It's never about uh it's like the difference between free diving and spearfishing. Like spear fishermen wanna be as lazy as possible to be able to catch that fish. Free divers wanna go as far as they possibly can go. Stretch the limit. Stretch the limit before they black out. And I've always seen myself as more of a spear fisherman type person. Like, oh, I want to go do something fun. Mm-hmm. But lately I've become more and more interested in that, those kinds of sports where you really hit your pain threshold and see if you can move through it. I think there's something that's very uh, fortifying about those experiences.
1: Yeah, most definitely. So the concept was when I talked to her about that, I was like, all right, I'm going to do it with him. And if he, it's either we're going to finish it together and this is going to be like a very emotional experience, or if he can't finish it, I'll put it on myself to get it done. And it's exactly kind of what I did. So I think I signed up with 63 days, roughly. And this isn't like running at all, kind of out of shape. Not out of shape, but, you know, fresh dislocated shoulder and just not running at all. And then started putting it on, got a little bit of IT band flare up, and then was kind of like, oh, man, how am I going to do this? But then one of those brothers that you had on your podcast, uh, Ryan Higginbotham, who was uh, one of the two that d- did the Alaska to Mexico paddle he just got back from a salmon season in Alaska just kind of tapped out physically but at the same time we went on one little run and then I think we ran about 13 miles and at the end of that I'm like want to do the 50 you know what I mean and then he was just like fuck dude because I have a torn PCL in each knee right so no surgery on those putting this challenge on myself with a short time frame and he's like if you're going to put it on yourself, I want the challenge, I'll do it too. So he signed up with 39 days. So having someone like him that we knew, we were just like, all right.
0: Right. We, we're doing this now. Yeah. Yeah. You it's going mean? to happen. Do you, uh, what kind of recovery stuff would you do? So you would so ice yourself? Would you do like IT band rollouts, that kind of stuff as yeah, well? Yeah.
1: I mean, I saw a trigger point therapist that worked on me. You know what I mean? That kind of helped out. He had a chiropractor that worked on him after that paddle. That helped out significantly. He saw us the day before. Um, He actually taped him up and stuff like that as well. And then outside of that, just ice baths and rolling out. So, I mean, not a whole lot because it's funny because I bought a book called Running Your First Ultra. And we're like, all right, let's see how we go about like a training schedule or anything like that. But the shortest thing we found was like 40 weeks. We're just like, all right, this doesn't apply to us. Really, the longest training run that he and I did was 17 miles. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, we're just like, oh, let's extend it. What, 33? Yeah. Right? The day of and I think 10,000 feet of elevation change. But once again... It was more, we weren't in it in the sense of like, oh, we're exceptional athletes or anything of that nature. It's like we had some confidence in ourselves, but really we were going in it for the mind test. You listen to all this different content. You have this desire, this inherent desire to want to challenge yourself and explore the depths of your mind. And how are you able to push yourself? And you recognize that in life you're going to face a lot of challenges. Right, and I mean, running an ultra marathon isn't like the same pain as losing your mom or losing a friend or anything of that nature. But in what manner can you put yourself in uncomfortable conditions that you can kind of callous your mind to an extent, and also explore like how can you push through and endure through some of these situations? So, that's kind of what we did, and it, yeah, it worked out. I think there's something to be said for uh, dedicating your suffering to
0: something bigger as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's really easy to start feeling sorry for yourself. You know, life gets uh, easy in the material sense, but difficult psychologically. Mm -hmm. And to do something like running an ultra where you're like, fuck, this sucks, and then you think like, well you know what? A lot of people are in pain all the time. So how can I
1: dedicate this pain to something bigger than myself? And it gives you energy to keep moving forward. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, one of the strongest motives of it day of was once again, thinking back to my friend. I mean, part of it was also just wanting to challenge herself. I can't, I can't deny that by any means, but also thinking back to my friend, his experience with this cancer battle and ultimately him losing his life and thinking, well, I mean, if he could endure that with such grace and without complaint, for the course of a year I can get through like a 12 hour day yeah and also I mean there was a point in my life where I mean running a mile in PE class I was made fun of you know what I mean so it's also that back in spite of like (laughs) like you dudes you know what I mean like luckily I had skateboarding in my youth to keep me confident because I was getting kind of picked on for my weight and just other elements and being from a different town so not really like adjusting socially to a new zone and kids not really recognizing that I was a good skater. Cause I like lived in the country and just wasn't social with anyone. So I just had that from my youth is some sort of not resentment or spite, but also just like, okay, I can go from there to here. It's healthy, man. It, it gives you energy and yeah. if you can use it in a, in a healthy way, yeah. then you should. Yeah. So, I mean, that was it, but uh day of went through it and uh, it was kind of crazy. Cause the, I'd say the most emotional part was kind of at the end once I had completed it and then I saw my friend's father and things like that because he did have to bail out after 28 miles and then my friend Ryan completed and it was time to go and I walked off to the side to grab my stuff and that's when that emotional weight hit me and I was by myself and kind of overrun with it and tears come out and things like that but yeah no it was great so we just kind of followed that up did that one in April and I mean outside of that that's really it I don't have any formal plans to do anything else again I like to try 100 at some point, but I mean, once this isn't anything really exceptional, there's people out there that just slay this game. But I mean, I look at it from the standpoint of like, this isn't my realm or anything of that nature, but I like to challenge myself. And yeah, I mean, it's it's something that I have some confidence in. I'll go for it. So,
0: you ever read Born to Run? (laughs)
1: No, have you heard of it yeah i've heard of it the books in my house yeah it's a good one knock it out
0: yeah yeah yeah. i was i've never been into running but uh, that gave me a lot of appreciation for it and it makes an argument that evolutionarily Homo sapiens evolved um, partly because of our ability to run. And before uh, we had tools, uh, there's this argument that we would do a kind of running called endurance hunting, um, where hunting groups would go out on the African savanna and we would separate, not we, they, because I could never do this, but they would separate gazelles from the pack. And uh, they would run the gazelles to death because uh, gazelles don't have sweat glands. So they would, the gazelles would sprint ahead. <sighs> they kind of pant like dogs do, and then after a few hours on
1: a hot day, they would just fall over and die of organ f- organ failure. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do believe that's what we're built to endure. And then randomly, uh, even though I'm not a runner, I think the reason I was able to hold up in these events and do well. It's kind of funny. I don't know if skating ties into it all, but I taught Ryan, the person that joined me in that run, how to skate afterwards. It's pretty funny because he's such a gnarly mentality that after the course of two months, he was doing frontside slashes in like a 13 foot pool. Yeah. No one else does that in that short of a time frame. But either way, when he was skating, he recognized, he's like, this is a really good leg exercise. And I think over the course of, you know, skating from four up until 24, when I was doing these runs... He's like, I think that's honestly what built up your ability to endure. Because in no way am I fast, but I can just trudge along.
0: Yeah, man. When I don't skate for a while, which is often, (laughs) I'll go through these long periods of not skating, I'll get back on a ramp, and after 10 minutes, I'll be gassed, man. Like this last time um, at at Burning Man, they had a sick little four-foot ramp there. Yeah, I I Um, saw that. Super well-built, man. Good transition um, probably like 20 feet wide. And I hadn't skated for like four or five months. And... I grew up skating was my main thing growing up. And uh, so I still have a few of those tricks that mm-hmm. just will never leave me. Staples. The staples. Yeah. I love those staples. But after 10 minutes, I'm like, I am so gassed. I can't believe I used to skate all day long. Yeah. And, it, and it gets you in your legs, man. So it is a really good cross training. I feel like I've kind of tapered off in my desire to, to make that next leap. To becoming a really good skater, because I have a few, I have a few other sports that I'm more interested in getting good at. Which um, you can only get good at so many things, I guess. Yeah, right? I I've been
1: thinking about that a lot recently.
0: But skating is just such a fun one because it. Um, the few things that I miss from skating that, that you don't get surfing is the support of your peers. Like if you're trying to learn something new. Everyone else on that ramp genuinely wants you to get that trick. They get hype for you. They and get hyped skill for level you.
1: doesn't even matter so no. much. I mean if you're better obviously people are more like, What the fuck? But you can be at a beginning level but just giving it a good effort and bringing the right attitude and people are hyped for you
0: exactly Man, I mean how often do you see at a skate park where someone's dropping in for their first time and yeah. then everyone in the park's like yeah, yeah. clacking the trucks exactly. that was sick for them. whereas surfing you see someone take off on a wave if someone's coming at me and they're on a good wave all I'm thinking is
1: fall 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 <laughs> fall fall it just right? sucks it's, it's this, a way different vibe
0: it's a supply and demand issue yeah. another thing that's great about skating that I, I really miss is this ability to try the same trick over and over and over and over and over and Enter over and then you finally get it. And it's this battle with your mind that doesn't happen as often with surfing because surfing you need the right lip to try a new, you know, if you want to learn error versus or something, how many times are you going to get to try that in a day? Not many. skating you
1: get to do it you can go over and and over over. and i mean you you'll find yourself in that position where you say one more 60 times (laughs) yeah and then you walk away and you're just like i guess it's not the day or you get it and you just have the biggest sense of satisfaction yeah it's it's honestly fantastic i started at four years old and uh it was because my brother was 14 years older than me and introduced me to it and then my mom was extremely supportive I don't even think I mentioned this the last one. My family owned a skate shop. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. My brother was not successful in high school by any means, but he was extremely passionate about skateboarding. And he was also undiagnosed at the time, but he's schizophrenic. So my mom saw the passion they had for that and offered him a, kind of like a graduation stipend because she knew he wasn't going to go to college. And it's like, all right, you can either get like this much money or hope you start a skate shop. And, uh, yeah, we started a skate shop. So your brother started the skate shop? My mom really is the one that like... Right, but did it, it g- helped him. Yeah, kind of get so him. there was five years of my youth, age four to nine, where I was just raised in a skate shop. I don't know if you saw that movie recently, mid-90s. No. But it it's worth checking out, honestly. Oh, with al- Jonah Hill,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Almost to a T was kind of my childhood, because my brother was 14 years older than me. He had friends that were in their 20s, and I'm going around with them when I'm like five years old skating. And then as... He would go and do his things with his crew and I wasn't tagging along. I still had kids that were when I was like 7, like 12, 13 that I'm going around town skating with and it's such a diverse group of people and everyone has their own back end kind of painful story, different economic statuses and things like that. But you can through skating and you don't realize that when you're a kid, but as you grow older and actually see the world for what it is and you reflect back on it and you see how it unifies people. It's pretty beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it's easy as you get older to um, start only hanging out with people that are into the same thing that you are. Or only people who look like you do. And then all of, it, all of a sudden it breeds this, this segregation, even if it's only in the mind. Where, and one thing that I, I really like about you is that you continuously push into new circles, like, you just what you're saying with running, like, hey, this isn't
1: my crew, but I'm going to try it. This looks sick. Why not? Yeah, I mean, I, that that's an interesting thing that, I mean, I feel like in no way am I unique with that by any means. But it's kind of interesting in the fact that I have so much love for the people that I skate with. But I'd say that I don't really hang out with them that much. And part of me almost feels bad about that to an extent. But as you were saying, there's only like so much time you really have. And I find myself caught up in all these other pursuits and friends that I've developed through different dynamics in life. So, but it, it really has been a fantastic experience and I'm so grateful to see everyone kind of pushing themselves. But yeah, I've always liked to delve into other things and I, I kind of touched base in that in the last podcast. I think my father just introduced me to a lot of outdoor activities in my youth that got me interested in that. And Honestly, having that unhealthy part of my youth has also just got me interested in other physical challenges. Yeah, and it's interesting because you were also talking about skating, and you said you can only be good at so many things. And more than anything else, I have this inherent desire to push myself with skateboarding, right? And you have the mind's a beautiful thing, and the fact that even if I don't skate for six months because I've tore something in my knee or I dislocated my shoulder, I'm skating in my mind driving around in my car envisioning things to try when i get back and i feel like those synapses or whatever the proper term is are still firing in my mind and there's just so much muscle memory that you can come back and learn so much in such a short time frame but i'm also at that age of 25 about to be 26 in a week battling that line of like all right well i've rolled my right ankle probably like 15 times at this point i have a torn pcl on my left knee one of my right knee Dislocated my left shoulder with a torn labrum. Dislocated my right shoulder with a torn labrum. Um, Have like a dent in my right hip, little calcium deposits, and all this stuff. A hemat, a permanent hematoma in my right arm. As I describe this, it sounds like a broken man, but in in no way am I really. It's also just like if you really try and continue to push yourself, what do you give to it? You know, there's a fine line because, yeah, I'm 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 kind of battling that right now just because. I came back from my shoulder dislocation skated for about two weeks and was like, Ooh, right back to it. And then I somehow rolled my ankle in a manner where I probably should go and get an x-ray because it's a month later and it's still swollen. (laughs) So I might've actually maybe a little fracture or something in my foot, but it, it, it's a very interesting thing. in the fact that I have this internal desire to push nothing else more than it, but I also am getting to that point of life where you have to have the logic of like, well, I do have interest in all these other things.
0: Yeah. Well, you're smart and you, you know that life is long in the way that like you're 25. All right. You're maybe a quarter of the way through your life. You're not going to be skating for your whole life. So you, so you have to balance that while still being like, oh, I don't want to be a pussy. I want, you know, you yeah. want like, you want, and you know, and you've, you've invested so much time in it. Like, you're fucking good, dude. Like, everyone, go check out this guy's Instagram. Like, you're hucking yourself over, you know, 12-stair rails and doing massive errors. Like, it's—there's something to be said for
1: uh, attaining true mastery at whatever it is that you set your mind to. Yeah, I mean, it's just something that I've always had the most love for, and there's—when I've separated from it, I feel like I'm not in alignment with myself, i mean it's the best form of decompression i have everyone has their thing or hopefully they have their thing and for me that's it to a t if i go and surf and things like that that's nice too if i go on a run that's nice but what gives it to me the most is a good session of just skateboarding. For, there's
0: a, there's an aggression release yeah. with
1: skating. Like if you get a
0: big fucking front side hack on pool coping. you just like mm-hmm. your shit. When you like in the fucking air to tail clack, like there's an anger release in it. That's I think unique to skating. That's I've I like, just so much respect for man.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in, yeah, I'm in love what, with it. And it, it's kind of funny that you say that cause there's that anger release and it, it's, funny because there's sometimes I roll up and I'm like oh it's gonna be a mellow session and my friends I think I'm probably one of the least disciplined skaters like among my friend group in the sense that I skate a little bit and my like I'm just a baby rattlesnake I start and I don't know when to stop kind of and then it's either like it goes really well or I just get beat and I'm out two weeks so that's kind of where I lack discipline but something that was like extending out of that too is the beauty of like Some of the bigger things that I've done, I remember when I hopped down the 19 rail not that long ago. I was standing at the top, and I legitimately thought back to being four years old and like doing an ollie for the first time in my backyard and learning how to push with my brother and then thinking like, oh, I'm here now. And it was cool because there's like peaks in the backdrop of this handrail, and it's like, all right, I got full faith that I can do this. And it's just interesting to think about not life in a linear perspective, but at the same time thinking about all Those little moments, and then being so present in the fact world, well, I'm here now. And that's kind of the beauty of skating sometimes, or anything that you're doing that you're really pursuing when you feel that growth and progress, and you just do something for the first time and you're like, fuck, oh, I just did that. Not trying to like stroke your ego or anything like that, but just thinking like, oh, I remember being seven or nine or 14 and like making progress and thinking you're good, but then seeing other people like ripping and being like, oh, I'd like to do that. And then maybe even surpassing that to an extent and then doing something and just being like, Oh, I'm here. You know what I mean? I got to here. And then it's like, how do you want to stop that pursuit? How do you limit your spirit's desire to stop that pursuit? But then there's also just the logic and the reality of while we're extremely resilient, we're incredibly fragile. And (laughs) you know what I mean? I, I'm not saying like, oh, I want kids or anything like that, but it really, that's going to be an extending part that occurs in this life. And it's like, do I want to be the dad that can't take his kids backpacking? Right. Do I want to be the dad that can't like go to the park and cruise around because I was so eh, foolish or, um, or had the, the foolish pride hubris to not really acknowledge that, you know what? Like, yeah watch how far you go with your pursuit but it's like how do you how yeah do you I, I don't know i don't know the answer
0: no. uh, <laughs> i don't know the answer yeah. at all but <laughs> i think that I, I have that struggle within myself too um but sooner or later you need to have that conversation yeah. uh, sooner or later everyone has that conversation definitely... with themselves and um for me i mean i'm trying to get good at at hunting i'm trying to get good at spearfishing and i'm trying to um, get better at surfing. So my decision was that, you know, I'll, I'll cruise now, but I'm not going to be pushing it skating. Um, and that's, that's cool for me, but no one knows that answer. And I mean, I was never hucking myself down 19 stairs. Yeah. What was, uh, what was the U S open like? Well, so I didn't get to do it. Oh, you didn't get to no, do it.
1: So I was, I was going to be skating. I think and it was like, technically it's the intercontinental like U.S. thing that's like the preliminary qualifier for the U.S. Open. If I did well that I would have been skating the formal U.S. Open. Um, It was like two days prior down in Huntington and yeah I was honestly I felt like I was on one. I was skating good. I was hyped. I just went to Canada for a film project with our crew and then got back and was like all right you got about a month let's kick it off and uh, I was having such a good session and then honestly on a very casual thing when I was just kind of laid back right after I pulled a line I was pretty hyped on doing a staple i fell and my arm caught the the top end of a transition what deck. were you doing just a Nolly big spin disaster but just, it was like well i mean yeah. it was but uh, like for me that's one of those yeah. little like things you don't fired need to think off about. Staple. Sure. i just did a line i'm like oh, i'll just close this out like fun and just the way i kind of missed it i slipped in on the transition but my arm caught the deck up top so as i slipped in i was like exercising way too much doing a bunch of pull-ups push-ups things like that and not rolling out so my muscles were tight So, as I hit that deck, it just got to a certain point, and there was a slight labrum tear. And then, just being someone that's really in love with activity, I started this new uh, job as the director of a green business program for our county. And at the close of just, like, the training process, I was actually sitting down in the office for, like, eight hours one day, and I was like, man, I got to do something. And I thought I'd be able to get away with going longboarding and just, like, surfing some one-foot waves and dislocating my shoulder, so... I thought it probably wouldn't be too good of an idea to try and go compete at the highest level possible with, you know what I mean? I, you got to have humility, and I don't want to either go and break myself off or skate at a level where I just feel like I shouldn't be there.
0: Right, 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 right. So I missed it. Who are some of your favorite skaters? <laughs>
1: oh, man, there's so many.
0: Who are the guys that you're looking up to most right now?
1: Oh, uh, f- well, I mean, f- from street, the Brazilians are killing it, like Tiago Lemos and all those guys. But, like, transition right out of Santa Cruz, Raven. Yeah. Dude, I'd love to watch him skate because it's just so free. He just gets yeah, after it. Yeah, he's flowy. Uh, I mean, obviously, Grant Taylor, all those guys. I like shot war. I mean, there's so many. That's the unreal thing now is there's so many even just, like, local guys, too, and just all these little homie videos that are coming out of people that aren't big name that just kill it. There's sleepers out there. But, I mean, that's a beautiful thing in, in that in anything – As progress is seen, the realm of what's possible expands for everyone. Right. You know, it's like that concept of the first four-minute mile can't be done. It's breached. High schoolers are doing it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. And it's, and that's kind of what's going on with skating. And my brother, who was just street god in the '90s, absolute. This is your big brother. Yeah. Yeah. He's how I got into it, and like what really kept me through it. And I mean, skateboarding, like if my family was hectic when we were younger, he would just take me out of the house, take me like go street skating at night. Right. It was a beautiful thing, but he killed it. But he's seeing some of these parts now and he's just like, man, it's a matter of time for someone kills themselves. But then that's the other cool thing about it, is there's so many different niches where it's like, you don't have to really go that big, but you can still just put together beautiful, beautiful pieces of
0: Yeah, that. that's what someone like Raven does.
1: Yeah, he, right, he just goes. Gorgeous. Um, so you have, you got one brother one brother and you grew up out in the countryside kind of kind of so I mean I was raised in Santa Maria like full bore street skating till I was nine and then went from living in like a skate shop kind of lifestyle to have my grandparents get sick my mom was managing the skate shop my brother didn't really own responsibility for it so much she decided all right that's it doors closed we moved out to the country and then that's where I was at until I was like 13 what was that like Oh, is that epic? Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, it was, you live on a ranch? Uh, kind of, it was just like 10 acres, but yeah, just deep, like 15, 17 miles outside of town and just a series of ranches. So there was like two older kids when I was like 10, 11, they were 15, 16, I hung out with them. I had a little tiny concrete foundation. We still skated. And then outside of that, we just kind of roamed around, grass boarded, things like that. But I think very subconsciously, it was very impactful for me. And Almost just affirming my appreciation for nature, right? Like, really being so bored that I would just like ride my bike down to the riverbed and like go look at wildflowers or (laughs) bail at trying to bow hunt little rabbits and stuff like that. So, that was a good part of my youth. And then, as soon as I got the opportunity to drive around with my friends, we just explored the region. And it wasn't like, oh, let's go down to the movie theater and stuff like that. But it was like, let's go out to the local swimming hole or go explore around and then we still maintain that spirit of youth to try like if it's raining like what rivers in the backwoods can we find that are flowing that aren't when it's not you know dude central california
0: is so beautiful
1: man it's it's endless
0: and growing up in santa cruz like i was i was a beach kid but now i'm getting into more activities where i'm more interested in going out to the mountains i did a big uh hiking trip in the Sierras this last, this last year, we all backpacked in, um, right right in the Tahoe area or along the John Muir trail, just hop in for a little while, went down to this lake. We're the only ones around, like talk about pristine. And you're like, I'm in California right now. You don't need to go very far to get really far out there. And I, I love that kind of stuff. Like people who Um, my buddy, Tyler Fox is super into this. He's a a big wave surfer from Santa Cruz, but Santa Cruz waves, right? Santa Cruz waves. Exactly. He runs that magazine. Um, but man, he's just put so much time into exploring our region, like all the little nooks and crannies waves that aren't normally surfed good dive spots, you know, between Santa Cruz and here, but you know, good hiking spots. It's, it's really cool. I, I think that, um, a lot of times, it like the best thing that you can do is just to look at the nature that's right around you, because that's what you're going to be able to immerse yourself
1: in every single day. And it's cool to get intimate with your home. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, there's a lot of people in this zone, not to knock anyone by any means, but like slow life. And it's like, well, you, I feel like you only know the surface to right. an extent. Right. But you may not know what's around the corner. Yeah. If you just explore just a little bit more, a little off the beaten path and find something or like when it's really raining, my friends and I think like, oh, some of these like streams that may have a little bit of water in them or that are dry when the reservoirs are flowing over, like we could probably go kayaks kind of some like low key rapids and stuff like that and find some really cool swimming holes and make some rope swings and just live a life that makes us still feel like we're little kids, not trying to live the Peter Pan Neverland, never grow up kind of thing. But it's, I mean, they're just experiences and days that you'll just cherish forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, we're, we're in a real mental health crisis right now. I mean, how many people do you know with depression? How many people do you know who, um, are suicidal? How many people do you know who just are not feeling alive in one way or another? And I think that there's really something to be said for nature as medicine. Um, it's real. It's something that our ancestors knew about. And I think that a lot of the greatest, Discoveries of today are going to be from looking back and having a reverence and respect for what our ancestors knew, and I mean we all we all know it, man. You get down to the beach,
1: wash off a bad day. Shit works most definitely, and I mean I have those days too where I get so caught up or worried about, you know, you you have ambition, you have these desires, you have these expectations of what you can produce for yourself, and you get so caught up in that, and then away from. Kind of what the real world is by just or not kind of what the real world is, but what the real world is and simply getting out into the ocean or in the woods and fully just thinking like just engaging in it. And it, it just does something for the mind. But and then also, like I said, when we were talking about earlier, I think before we were recording it, just the concept of like, okay, this is very important. What can I do to try and protect this open space or what can I do to try and you know, just help our community be more responsible in these realms. Cause I know the ideals and the attitudes are here and so many people care about this. So what is it I, or what as an individual can I do to maybe unify us more in this direction? Not that it's my sole responsibility. Cause I don't think I'm special in any means or anything of this nature. I think anyone can step up and make something happen as long as we're willing to be vulnerable. And for some reason, through some of these experiences and conversations you have with friends, I felt Compelled to make some actions in the past that allowed us to make somewhat of a difference on a local level.
0: Yeah. What do you mean by vulnerable?
1: I like that. Yeah. I mean, in the sense that, are you willing to step up and face some of the criticism? Like, I'm. You know what I mean? I don't want to be known as the straw guy, or the water bottle guy. But it's like you you realize there's a problem. And I mean, do I think they're the biggest problems out there? No, not by any means. But if you see something tangible and you believe you can make a slight shift, that if you follow that through or set a model for other communities to follow. That that can make some collective impact. Why not make an effort on it? And I mean, there's a lot of like you're talking about straws, you're talking about water bottles, you're talking about these single-use plastics, and it's like I get it. There are far more significant problems facing the world. But if we could strike up a short conversation, make it persuasive, and get people to stand behind it and make a policy shift and actually make somewhat of a difference, it's like that's a worthwhile effort. But you also have to be willing to face that criticism. You know, yeah. some people, The one of the phrases might be like, bear your burden, right? It's, it's that concept, first nihilism, first everything matters, right? It's nothing matters, everything matters. And if everything matters and you choose to be the optimist at the same time, you got to recognize like, all right, well, I got to make an effort, right? right? And I've had that nihilist perspective at times where you're just like, oh man, we are fucked, right? And you really look at it, but at the same time, is that how you really want to see the world? And if you choose to step up and engage it, you recognize that you can you can do some things and perhaps that might inspire someone else and you don't know what the ripple effect of that is and it's I think it's it's worthwhile. So yeah, bear your burden. Hey,
0: David David Goggins doesn't know who you are, right?
1: No, he has I mean, no, he has no idea that
0: he had that impact on you to change uh your diet and it's had a massive effect. So I mean the whole everything matters, nothing matters, you're never gonna get to the end of that debate because Every, every interaction you have matters on one way or another. And no one person is going to, you are still one person. So tend to the part of the garden you can touch. And I think that when we are talking about plastic pollution, one thing that's been illuminating for me is that it's not just an oceans issue. Uh, like people frame the plastics issue as... Uh, an oceans issue. You know, it's the dolphins and it's the people who are... You know, turtles. F- turtles. Got to save those turtles. But um, it's also uh, uh, an air pollution issue. It's mm-hmm. also a human rights issue. You know, a lot of these uh, plastics, um, the reason that they're so cheap is because of hydrofracking. Because we... Uh, frack for methane which comes out as gas in our stove but a byproduct that also comes out is ethane. So that's poly polyethylene ethy, poly polypropylene Probably, this, yeah. these are uh, the, the bags, the bottles, the soda caps, all that stuff. So these guys are getting, the fracking industry is basically getting free ethane as a result of of going for methane, which drives the pl- the cost of plastic down, which then in the refineries, you know, there's air pollution around there. Normally, in low income uh, areas, where people then get cancer, your kids get learning disabilities, and you just keep following that stream all the way up, and it's no longer this issue that only impacts you know the coastal elitists who want their beaches clean. It's it
1: impacts everyone. Yeah, it's the full process. Right. It, yeah, it's 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 pretty incredible how far stretching it really is and then how kind of disconnected we are from it. And, and we feel good because there's recycling bins places and things like that. But when you really delve into the numbers behind it, I believe since the 50s, only 9% of the plastics produced have been recycled. Right. right. And, and that, that's a staggering amount when you actually consider it. And I, I heard that to an extent, trying to enforce licensing or moral licensing and uh putting recycling and composting bins in make people feel more comfortable with consuming those kinds of materials and people want to care and then let will see a straw or a, a cup or something like that like a water cup from any fast food or burrito spot or things like that and be like oh i can recycle this and they feel all right about it but it's just not being recycled and then i think it takes about 65 dollars to recycle about a say a ton to process that and but a lot of you know when you look at the base of cups like number three through seven the commodity value for those is anywhere from like 10 to 34 dollars and it's extremely volatile so it's not profitable by any means so yeah while it might be processed and go through the recycling plant it's just diverted to the landfill yeah right and people don't think about that and for the most part i myself it's kind of ironic because to an extent while i've been a community leader on some of these issues I'm not dialed in with every single thing that can and cannot be recycled. You just want to make somewhat of effort. You're not going to be perfect by any means. I acknowledge full bore. I'm a consumer, which is funny because I'll be out with some friends and they'll get a drink and they'll have a straw and they'll be like, Oh, my bad, bro. (laughs) It's not, it's not that. It's just more like, are you just try and make an effort? Right. And if every single person, even if you reduce it by say 50%, but you think about that scaled significant and I think when our community moved forward with it, I mean, initially we started with that effort to implement hydration stations, right? Because you want to make it convenient for people to consume more responsibly. So now our city's implementing, I think, 20 throughout the city's infrastructure. You know, over the course of time, that might really offer a little bit of a mental trigger for people to be like, oh, I should bring this with me and consume a little more responsibly. Extending out of that, they decided to just get rid of all single-use plastic beverage containers and even compostable ones at like city events and farmers markets and things like that, really trying to reduce the waste stream. And all that kind of fell behind, and the straw thing happened. And then everyone's fired up on that concept, like, you're trying to restrict my ability to consume. But the way in which we went about it was just shifting, like, the architecture of consumer choice by just saying it's just straws upon request. Hmm. So if anything could potentially save a business a little bit of money, consumer choice is still there. But then there's the issue of community education and having people fully understand it. And it was unfortunate because after we implemented it here locally, Someone from the state Senate wanted to implement it on a statewide level, but they structured it in a manner where the initial bill said, I think you're going to get a thousand dollar fine or potentially six months in jail. So then the game of telephone that extends out of that is ridiculous because then people are like, you're going to go to jail for giving out a straw. And it's like, nah, right. It's not, it's not what we're getting at. And straws themselves are not really that big of a problem. They're just emblematic of our just habits as a, just a consumer society and single use plastics and being like, okay, this is something that really, for the most part is entirely avoidable. Right. We'll leave it to consumer choice, but maybe it's a trigger to start thinking about other areas of your life.
0: Framing, man. That's it. You know, you can't frame it where people feel like their freedoms are getting taken away. That's, that's it. I, the way that I think about it is that I love California. Yeah. I love the United States. I am passionate about this country, and I am passionate about all of the beauty that we have. And I think that protecting this land and this beauty is one of the most patriotic things that you can do. Most definitely. Most definitely, man. I fucking love our streams. I love our mountains. I love our beaches. And I love community. I I love local businesses. I love resilient neighborhoods. You can feel it when you get into a spot and you're like, damn, there's a heartbeat here. Yes, there is. And... There are a lot of multinational corporations that will come into an area, uh, most likely one that's not resilient, and they'll suck their groundwater dry. They'll put refineries in. They'll fucking start drilling for 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 methane, and then they'll get ethane, and then they'll you know put it into a Capri Sun package, and then try and tell you that that little fucking Capri Sun is patriotic.
1: <laughs> Fuck that shit. This is quality marketing, man. Yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous the way it all actually extends. Um, yeah, actually, recently, there was a measure here that failed. It was uh, to ban fracking oh, really? and oil expansion, oil expiration here in Slow County. It was uh, measure G. And I think the final vote was, I want to say, 56 to 44. 56 in not favor of the ban. But I believe the marketing money spent was $8 million against... Wait, fifty-six percent voted uh, voted against implementing it, so uh, there uh, is no ban. Oh, there so is no ban. Okay, at this point, continue or the the existing oil infrastructure is fine, and uh, the opportunity to explore for oil and implement fracking and things like that in our county is still possible. Uh, it was pretty wild, though. I don't know if I had my m- mind wrapped around it to a T. But I do know that the people that were against it, I believe oil companies and different lobbyists invested about $8 million in the campaign against. And I think the Yes campaign to ban it had about 130000 right? And the vote was still that close with the different level of marketing resources and things like that. And I think a lot of people were inherently supportive of the ban, but then the way in which it was marketed was that it would shut down existing oil infrastructure. And I mean, there's a local refinery and there's jobs that are relied on that. There's tax revenue that's generated. But the way in which I understand it is that really it wouldn't have just shut it down. It would have, to an extent, made the processes of maintenance for those facilities a little more difficult. And over the course of, say, 20, 25 years, pretty much would shut those facilities down. But it was communicated in a manner where it's like it's just gone. Right. And people weren't super responsive to that. And then a lot of people aren't also aware that some nations, obviously not the U.S., but China, France, Netherlands have all implemented policies that by 2040 or 2030, even as recent as 2025, to phase out internal combustion engines to where the reliance on that for transportation isn't even necessary. And that's the other thing is people don't want to seem like hypocrites to where they're going to vote to ban it, but they're still driving their car. So even people with really intense environmental values, not intense, but leaning towards that way, we're on the fence about how to vote. And I think that was kind of the threshold is that variance in marketing dollars that actually influence people's perspectives. Well, how do you feel about it? I mean, I ended up voting yes on it. And I, I think that local community leaders and things like that, as it really moves forward in our area, I don't think the expansion of oil infrastructure in this area will really take place. I think people really wanted to kind of nail it you know, put a nail in the coffin and say it's just not even possible and fully solidify that. But I'm still optimistic in the sense that I don't think there's really going to be too much expansion. I think there's going to be a shift in the vehicle market and things like that within the next few years. Anyways, I think the local leaders and people like that aren't super responsive to seeing local infrastructure and things like that expand and to see fracking expand, especially with some of the water crises and things like that that are taking place. So we'll see. Like I said, in no way an expert, but it is interesting, as you noted, how these larger Kind of corporate entities can come in and really influence the outcome of a community's future.
0: Yeah. yeah. Shared value. We want to create <laughs> shared value right. for this community. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. It is, uh, it, phew, it's a, it's a wild world when you get deep into that, man, because yeah, I, I get it also, man, for people who have worked at a refinery and that's their job and they're afraid that they're going to lose it. like, And they, people are busy. They got families like it's a very powerful argument. The job's one to keep coming back to that, because if you feel like you're going to lose it, then you're going to fight for it. But I think that many times it's a dishonest argument for example, Trump's argument that like we're the the war on coal is over. It's like, no, nah, if you actually looked at jobs, you could, you could put way more jobs in solar and you could transfer a lot of the people that are, were working in coal that have temporary jobs into solar. So it many times is politicized and people are in it for, um, to just be able to make a quick buck rather than look a hundred years, a thousand years forward and see, say, you know, what kind of species do we really want to be?
1: Yeah. What is the big picture and what is the future that we're creating? And then, I mean, also just from the standpoint of an individual citizen, what narrative are you receiving? Right. Cause I mean, so much of what we're filtered now, I feel like is the extremes, right? You have the extreme on the left, the extreme on the right. And I feel like there's a lot of moderate positions, especially on the environmental front that are lost. Right. Right. I, I mean, there's a lot of very conservative people and ranchers and things like that that really care a significant amount about the environment. But they may not be able to identify with the person that's leading those environmental measures because they're so extreme in their positions or they're focused on the turtles.
0: Right. Right. Or, you you know, I think a big issue that the environmental movement ha- has is that if you call yourself an environmentalist, there are all these different um, immediately uh, perceptions about you, about the kind of person that you're going to be right. Rather than, than being I, like, I very much, I think that you, I, I identify with you very much on, uh, the kind of environmentalist that you are, which is to immerse yourself deeply in nature and protect it. That's simple, Yeah. but I'm not, you know, you don't smell bad. <laughs> you know, there's like, then there's all these other perceptions that people have well, of environmentalists, unfortunately, that you feel like you need to fit, and you feel like you need to fit that mold. Same with hunting on the other side. It's like, if you, if you're a hunter, people think immediately that you're a redneck yeah, and that like, or, yeah, or, or that you're, you're dumb or, you know, that you, you don't care about life or you don't have the empathy, you know, all that shit, which is just wrong.
1: Most definitely. That's what I mean. There's these really strong perceptions. And honestly, some of those extreme positions on the environmental front, I think are more harmful. I'll go to a city council meeting or something like that, trying to advance an environmental policy. Uh, I think the most recent one was just, they were trying to get rid of styrofoam and area, And if they were able to close that out, then they were going to be able to enact the county wide ban. And that actually did move forward later. That was able to be achieved. But at the time when I was there, when they were trying to move forward with the Tascadero, there were some people that, you know, they really want to have their voice heard. They have their strong opinions. But the manner in which they communicate it, it's just like it's, it's expected. They're not even trying to really sell the logic. They're just talking about all this environmental travesty, all the marine debris and all these things. And it's like so much of what you have to consider in communication sometimes is people like either people that are like them or how they want to be. All right. And if you communicate in such an intense manner where they can't identify with you, you think you're trying to support a cause or help a cause, but you're just harming it. Yep. Right. So I go up there and you, you, you try and communicate some logic, some precedent, some success where things have been implemented elsewhere. I understand that, Hey, even a community like Salinas has done that and it hasn't been repealed. One example in the state and you communicate logic and people are able to identify with that. And I, myself, as someone that's in support of something, sometimes see others that are there in support of something, but I'm like, oh, man, stop. <laughs> just right? Like, I don't <laughs> want to Shut hear. Shut the fuck up, man. Well, <laughs> kind of, well it's just because it's like, yeah, I'm. you always want to see people get involved. You want to see people make efforts. You just, it, at times, I, I saw this one professor that just because he was there and he had a couple high school students get involved, had this attitude of expectance, right? Just because we're here, just because they did this project, you better pass it. And it's like, that's not the approach. And like I said, there's this very moderate position where, I mean, obviously, if you're speaking to people that are more left-leaning and you're putting forward an environmental thing, you're probably going to have their support. So really, you shouldn't be structuring your message so much to them. You should be structuring it more to a conservative perspective because those are the lean votes that you need to be like, oh, that makes sense. Right? So that was the whole concept of when we did not to go back to the straw thing but just the the structure of the policy in the sense that hey you're not going to cut into a business's bottom line consumer choice is still there but we do revoice, uh, reduce avoidable waste right it's hard to argue against that so you're able to get very conservative people to be like well let's give it a shot dude will you please start a podcast you and,
0: were born for this shit. Well maybe make it please. <laughs> please make it happen, man, because it's it's so rare and refreshing to hear a voice like yours on environmental issues. And it's it's so important and I, it's like, you know, uh, there are protests that happen where the opposition will will seed um, people to be, get violent in the protest. So the protest looks out of control. Yeah. Right. And this has been proven again and again. Um, and I think that it happens many times on environmental issues, not necessarily that like people are seated from the opposition, but just the people it's like they ruin it for the whole party. I like, feel do that a lot with with everything, man. Like yoga, like yoga is such a great concepts, but I can't identify with so many of the so people. So many yogis
1: that are deep rooted.
0: Dude, the yoga, the yoga. I've I've deep-rooted. accidentally
1: found myself in like gentle yoga classes. I mean, you yoga if you just end up in like a general class, good. You you leave feeling incredibly refreshed and you've challenged yourself but I've accidentally found myself in like some gentle yoga classes where you're not really doing much. And a lot of it's just that they're talking to you and these things. And I've gone with friends and I just have such a childhood tendency to just <laughs> <laughs> I'm that, yeah, no, I'm no, not puke, but I'm just that guy that's like trying to contain his laughter. Right. And I'm like, man, I need to get more mature and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it's like I said, people want to identify with people that they're either like, or they want to be like, and sometimes the representatives of these of these movements, or the people that are the most outspoken, it it scares some people that really identify with the outcome they want to achieve, but it's just hard for them to identify with the manner that's in right. which it's being communicated. Well,
0: here's the reason why I think you should start a podcast because uh, one of the issues it sounds like you are running up against is. Uh, the the game of telephone and yeah. messaging where you're like shit that was you know was miscommunicated and there was no nuance that was was communicated in the medium of Instagram or just from one person telling a rumor to another person but podcasting is this great medium where you can go deep. Into a conversation with someone who you may disagree with, and you can try and find common ground. And it's one of the few places where that's actually the goal. You can say, well, "All right, well, here's here's my perspective. Let's actually hear what your perspective is." And maybe we'll come to some kind of understanding. Whereas if you look at like um, talk show, talk show, uh, like CNN, Crossfire or something, the goal isn't to come to some kind of resolution. The goal is just to shout at each other until commercial break. So it gets you it gets you amped up, but it does nothing for unification, which is what we want. Like the, the, environmental issues should not be politicized. They should not be so controversial. This is the air we breathe, the water we drink, the land we stand on. That's something that everyone, whether you're red or blue or green, black, pink, should all at least care about and and have the perspective that you're going to be here for maybe a hundred years and then you're going to be gone. So what impact are you having
1: on this environment? Yeah, most definitely. And I mean, There's just so many realms of people that realistically care about the outdoors and perhaps mellow messaging to make maybe make some slight increases. But once again, thinking of that scale makes a difference. And it's like you could even think about like the off road community and it's like, all right, well, maybe if you just run some slightly smaller tires and get some better fuel efficiency or how are you packing your trash? Little things like that to where people wouldn't even think about communicating to them in regards to like environmental messaging. And or so much of what is communicated to them just right makes people write off environment, like environmentalists. But really, they have values that are responsive to it, because where do they love to go? Right. Right. What are the types of places they like to see? And you got to realize that there is a connection there. So, yeah, as you said, it's just thinking about you're going to be here for a long time. What's the outcome you want to generate? You have to think about what kind of world do you want to leave behind? Because realistically, you talk to every person out there. What do you want to do with your life? Not everyone's gonna have this one, three, five, ten year vision. I don't, right? It's kind of take opportunities as they come in, maybe get more clear as life goes on. But for the most part, people are gonna say, you know, impact the life of one person or just make things better for my community. Just have the world be a better place because I was here. Yeah. Right. And you can really, if you think about all those little actions. That's what you're doing through just making these little shifts. And it, you no one that's listening to this can see it, but, you know, you have, you're heading in a certain direction. You make that slight shift. But if you follow that new direction through over the course of a year, five years, ten years, completely different place. Right. And that is the perspective that you hope more people can resonate with. And once again, there's just so many extremes that I think people just write it off. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because I, myself, as a result of pushing some of these policies, I think I'm identified as someone that's like perhaps really intense about this stuff, but I'm not, you know what I mean? Like I said, that's how people see me with like, they'll have a water bottle or they'll have a straw and be like, Oh, sorry, dude. And it's like, I don't really care. Right. But I mean, at least you're thinking about it now.
0: Yeah. Well, that's why you should start a podcast because <laughs> yeah. it's your voice, right? Yeah, your yeah. voice isn't getting, it's it's not getting filtered. Yeah. I think you'd be so good at it, man.
1: Uh, What's the what is the job that you start have now with uh, the city? Uh, So it's actually not through the city. It's that's part of my job right now is to find a a resting place for it. Uh, So there's something that's called the California Green Business Network. It's existed kind of since 96, uh, more formally since 2004, and it exists in over 30 cities and municipalities throughout the state and it is a network of programs throughout the state that help business make transitions to more sustainable practices in their operations Uh, not through regulation or mandate but through participation through connecting to rebates and showing them that they can be more sustainable in their practices and also save money and a lot of people have these ideals and attitudes of wanting to have their business you know be a representative of, of good and then we're just giving them almost an audit that actually sees pretty much the full scale of their operations from energy, from transportation, from uh, wastewater, water conservation, just f- solid waste, everything. And then just saying, hey, here's some practices that you can implement. No business gets uh, like certified as a green business in a uniform way. There's some core measures they have to comply with, and then a long list of electives that they can pick and choose and see what's most applicable to them. But what happened with my position is the county was awarded a grant and then our local community college was able to match it. So I was hired in June. It's kind of funny because I didn't study environmental science or anything of that nature I study communications, but through getting involved as a community servant, you learn about these issues then you're able to communicate about them. So I was able to acquire that position and it's on me to try and get roughly 20 businesses certified by March and then also show enough program success that I can leverage that and sell the concept of this program to local agencies like our Waste Management Authority, pg and and the independent jurisdictions in the county to try and get their agency buy-in so the program can endure. Um, over 3,500 businesses have been certified in the state so far. In our county, we've certified one, which was ten over a little architecture studio. But Whalebird Kombucha is about to follow up, a local massage parlor, and I think there's about 20 other businesses that have enrolled that are all beginning to work through the through the program. So it's new in regards to how we're actually getting these businesses involved and going through because I wasn't able to actually start outreach till more recently. But man, our, our county really does have so many business leaders that are extremely receptive to this and they're super on board. So really, it's just on me and this program and the model that's there to help lead them through it. Fuck and yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm pretty hyped on it. And it, it's kind of crazy because it's one of those things where so many people have those ideals and attitudes of like, yeah green business, most definitely. And then they're being extremely thoughtful and they want to be as proactive as possible. And then they see this list of certain things that they may not be doing. They're like, oh, didn't even think about that. And they're like stoked to do it.
0: Yeah. Especially when you can say, hey, this other business is doing it too.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, hey,
0: someone else has already done this 19 stair.
1: You're not the first one. (laughs) Right. And the program's free. So that's the other thing. It's not like we're trying to make any money or anything like that off it. It's simply, hey, We're trying to achieve some goals as a community, trying to achieve some goals as a state. We're not going to tell you you have to do this. You're not regulated. But we know these are your values. You want to be a leader. If you want to champion this, here's some steps you can take. And then I have people from different organizations and agencies come out and kind of verify that. Yep. Business is certified and we're on. I love it. So, yeah. But like I said, that's a part of the California Green Business Network. And then we're just trying to establish a county or a program for Slow County. So that's where (laughs) we're at. Um, have you always uh, been a
0: good talker, or is that something you learned? Uh, it's, I mean, you got a real you got a real skill. I'm not trying to stroke your ego no, or no, anything, gotta, but yeah. it, but like it's was there was there a point when you were a kid when you like got up in front of class and were like, oh, I can change people's minds.
1: Not everyone can do that. Not really, as a kid. is uh, if anything, I was I was never introverted, but I was definitely there was periods in my life where I wasn't socially accepted. So no way was I outspoken when I did have to communicate, I felt pretty confident. You know what I mean? If I had to give up and give a class presentation or something like that, but I'd say just through my friend groups and different things where I informally kind of found myself leading an effort, or I'd say specifically, I was probably like 21 and I was in this argument debate class in college and just a couple classes like that, where I was like, ah, I feel like I could differentiate myself with this. So I began to focus on it and went to groups like Toastmasters and things like that. And then had just random kind of elders and things like that in my life that were just like, I feel like you're going to do something with the way you communicate. And I was like, okay, okay. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. yeah, Um, but then, yeah, I, I, I chose to focus on a little bit, read some books, listen to things. And I mean, you just try and grow yourself in your mind and but you do, that's going to be a lifelong process. Yeah. What yeah. was, uh,
0: what was some of the most helpful advice you got? Some of the most helpful advice. Yeah. Or, or,
1: uh, most helpful things you learned. Dude, that's, that's a, that's hard. I'm, I'm not exactly, I think be curious, Yeah. right? So you can ask questions, make an effort to listen, but that's something that I've always struggled with because I, especially when I was younger, I always had a tendency to interrupt and I think I still do. But, you know, just being more conscious of that. uh, It's kind of funny I just said that, but I was just about to say, like, through Toastmasters and things like that, you make an effort to drop your filler words so you're more fluid in your communication. It's funny because even a few of those fillers can just make you sound less competent. Yep. Right? And if you're able to drop and remove those, your message is just going to come across way stronger. And I think one of the most, probably the most beneficial thing I ever heard was, if you're going to give a speech or try and relay a message, make it more of, a, of an external dialogue rather than an internal. So don't be thinking about what you have to say, right? Just let it flow. If you know the issue, communicate it. Maybe have a few points that you know you want to hit, but don't really be in your head about exactly how you need to get it across because then it's just not as natural. It's not as authentic. And you can get so caught up that it's just not fluid. Yeah. Right. But if you just kind of let it pour out, it'll show that you're aware or, or you know, a situation. Yeah. And what do you want to do? I've found
0: in the past, uh, it's been like, I'll be so worried about forgetting something that I'll go up in front of people. And as you said, there's an internal dialogue where I'm thinking, fuck, 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 fuck. What am I thinking? What I, what I need to say next. And I'm that's it's like the equivalent of focusing on falling before you do a skate trick. Rather, you eat shit, you're gonna do exactly what you're thinking about. So, if you're thinking, oh, I'm gonna forget something, these people are gonna judge me, they don't like me because the way I look, they are going to. But if you go up with the intention, oh, I'm gonna kill it right now. You can forget
1: a few things and still do a great job because you have that intention. Yeah, exactly. Well, and if you're in your head, you're not connected with them. Right. You know what I mean? So there's just, those are just those little subtleties that make a difference, right? You don't have to have this word to this word to this word. It's more just have an idea of what you're trying to relay, know it well enough. And then realistically, if you engage in that kind of practice often enough, it just like anything, you're just going to get a little stronger at it.
0: One thing that I do that was huge for me is whenever I would go up, uh, in front of people, um, I would think to myself, I love you to all, all, everyone out there. I love you. didn't matter if I, they didn't necessarily agree with me. I would have that thought. I love you. And, and it's a powerful, uh, mindfulness technique to just go to everyone in that you come into contact with in a day and have that little thought. I love you. Because it, it does something to shift the way that you, you speak and does something to the tone of your voice. And I find that people who, who, I, that, who told me that, man, I'll think of it, but it was, it's, it's a good one. To, to you're keep just not doing. as scared of them.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Cause there's that sense of connection and there's the sense of, if you love someone, really, you're trying to be of service, right. trying to be of value. Right. And I mean, there, there's other things out there and there's those little inspiring quotes where it's just like, I try and remind myself, all right, really, I don't know exactly what I'm going to do with my life, but the core things like try and be of service to your family, your friends, your community. Right. And if you kind of have that as a guiding principle or there, there's that quote by Martin Luther King, that's, uh, that's pretty powerful too. It's like, all right, you might not be famous, but like not everyone can be famous, but everybody can be great because greatness is determined by service. Right. So it's, I think if you begin to focus on things like that, I don't know your ability to communicate, you're just going to be engaging with people. I think it just naturally grows, but I, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite sure. And I honestly, I think I can polish it a lot more. So 10 years, 20 years, we'll see where it's at. Get a podcast. You'll Get make podcast. that happen. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'd be stoked to talk with as many people as you have in the, the, the caliber of people.
0: It's fun, man. It's fun to sit down with someone and be like, woo, we've really thought about this. Yeah. And, and to, I mean, I, I am constantly the idiot in the room and it's great. It's, it's a humbling experience to sit down with someone who's, you know, a, a NASA scientist and
1: have spent their whole life, um, creating code for the rover on mars i know it's unreal i was actually chatting with my girlfriend about that yesterday i was kind of browsing through your podcast i listened to a good amount of it but there's also some i miss and i was just like really looking through the guest list and i'm like oh man <laughs>
0: it's
1: fun man <laughs> all right well i well i hope i can offer something
0: dude <laughs> um Start a podcast and you could co host a few with me. Yeah, so that we could get some, some numbers to yours.
1: Yeah, that'd be sick. The I'd offer be, is open. I'd be stoked to do that and we'll just see how we brand it and all that. But I mean if if there's anything that I can also really offer to people that are listening this listening to this is that if they have those concerns about wanting to do something for their community or lead effort on an environmental front there will be moments where it could be discouraging, but they'd be surprised that they can get something done. And once again, if they can really structure their messaging to be more on the moderate perspective, they'd be surprised how well that resonates. And if anyone wants to try and do something related to implementing hydration stations or getting rid of styrofoam or limiting like single-use plastics or getting rid of straws, I have plenty of materials and documents and things like that that could be referenced, language that could be modeled and honestly people could realistically draw this home in their communities pretty easily especially the straw thing that one's like the easiest there's only 16 i think 16 ordinances that are existing right now i think 10 in california four in florida one in new jersey one in washington um but a lot of businesses are moving in that direction and i mean the models are out there and i'm i'm happy to help so I'm, i'll give you my email or what's the best day. way
0: for people to get in touch with you right now
1: uh, instagram Uh, yeah you can give me a dm on instagram uh who and then underscore cory cory jones or if uh someone can remember how i just spelled that jones cory 1992 is my personal email i don't want to give out the business stuff but it's a way to contact me or if they shoot me a dm on instagram i'll give my email or my number so
0: my man well stay healthy keep doing what you're doing we need you
1: yeah i appreciate it man thank you for having me on and uh look forward to more
0: That's our show. I'm going to play you out with a song by one of our listeners. Uh, The song is called Tropics. It's by a band known as Landless. I will link to their band page in the show notes. Um, Hope to see you all at the MOFAs um, and send me those voice memos. Finally, this is an ad-free podcast, so I rely on listeners like you to donate um, it really does help keep this thing going allows me to bring these episodes to you every single week. so if you get value out of it, you can click the Patreon link and just buy me the equivalent of a cup of coffee every month um, and If everyone did that, I would be a happy man i 'm already a fairly happy man, but maybe i 'd be more happy. It um, would <laughs> allow me to do more podcasts more your donations directly go into me being able to do more podcasts alright, that's it Um, have a beautiful day everyone get in the water if you can and I'll see you soon I told you before this whole island is full of those foolish old stories and superstitions you
1: mean like the we found? Hey, you guys don't really believe that, Chaz, do you?